Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later, Kira Donovan, Business Manager, Farm Sustainability, Dairy Gold Agribusiness on Water Quality. Also, the European Union's rewetting controversy. First, Dairy Gold Annual Milk Quality Awards. On Friday, 26th of May, Dairy Gold's milk supplier, Dennis O'Leary from Blarney, was declared the overall winner of the 2022 Dairy Gold Milk Quality Awards, also winner of the East Cork region for consistently supplying the best quality milk to Dairy Gold throughout the year 2022. The awards were presented at a special ceremony in Springford Hall, Mallow County, Cork. This year's Sustainability Award went to John and James Magner of Carriconna, Kilavon County, Cork. Dairy Gold also presented a special recognition award to John Coleman from Cove in recognition of his contribution to dairy farming over the years. Speaking about the awards, Dairy Gold chairman Sean O'Brien said, quote, 2022 was a positive year in terms of milk price, but it also brought with it some challenges such as rising input costs and supply chain uncertainty. Despite these challenges, Dairy Gold's milk suppliers continue to provide the highest quality milk to the society for its customers. Mr O'Brien said Dairy Gold also appreciated the work of the milk suppliers in adopting more sustainable farming practices. Last year, he recalled, Dairy Gold had launched the Grassroots Bonus Programme in a bid to reward the efforts being made by Dairy Gold milk suppliers in this regard. Mr. Bryan said, the future of the industry hinges on the action we take now. Congratulating the winners, Dairy Gold Chief Executive Conor Galvin said, quote, Our customers have come to expect a high standard and high quality products from us. And it's our milk suppliers that enable us to deliver on that expectation. These awards, he said, present us with an opportunity to recognise the excellence being achieved across our milk supplier base and demonstrate the ethos of continuous improvement that's long been a foundation for the success of this business. End of quote. The awards were based on 2022 milk quality data for all 2,600 Dairy Gold milk suppliers across counties Cork, Tipperary, Limerick and Clare. A short list was drawn up from each of the six Dairy Gold regions. 18 finalists underwent adjudication by Don Crowley, Chagas Dairy Specialist and Professor Frank Buckley, University College Cork. The judges chose one overall winner, six regional winners, a sustainability winner and a special recognition award winner. To coincide with June 1st, World Milk Day, Mr Pat McCormack, the president of the ICMSA, said he hoped people had found time on June 1st to raise a glass of milk to Irish farmers whom he said were the most naturally sustainable producers of our most naturally nutritious drink. ICSA President Mr Dermot Keller said that Irish farmers had no objection to protecting nature and enhancing biodiversity and that more consultation on how best to achieve these objectives needs to happen. Mr Keller said EU policies affecting farmers need to be worked out with farmers. Protecting our environment is vital, but supporting the livelihoods of farmers is a prerequisite. 
A Munster IFA grain meeting takes place on Thursday, 8th of June in Coronmart for Moy at 8pm sharp. Speakers, IFA President Tim Cullinan, IFA National Grain Chair Kieran McAvoy, IFA Chief Economist Tyg Buckley and also a Chagas Tillage Specialist will be in attendance. All welcome to attend and that's taking place Thursday, June 8th at 8pm sharp in Coronmart for Moy. IFA are holding their National Farm Forestry Conference. It takes place on Thursday, June 8th. Venue will be Tullamore Court Hotel, 10am, with registration starting 9.30am. IFA Farm Forestry Chair, Mr Jason Fleming, said the conference aims to provide a platform for farmers and forest owners to hear and engage with policymakers and experts on a range of topics focused on how we can create a viable future farm forestry sector. It will also explore potential future opportunities, including forest carbon. The keynote address will be delivered by Pippa Hackett, Minister of State, Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. And that's the IFA National Farm Forestry Conference, Thursday, June 8th, Tullamore Court Hotel, 10 a.m., registration 9.30 a.m. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Declan O'Brien, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Declan, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal, you write this week about farmers fearing that re-wetting will slash land prices. You've got some figures. Well, John, the the re-wetting controversy is really building because farmers are not only um, apprehensive about the impact on the way in which they manage their holdings, but also that the asset value of those farms could be um, adversely impacted. Um, the INHFA have been particularly uh, vocal on this particular issue. And and as well, the, the um, auctioneers up along the west and northwest have, are also expressing concern about the lack of clarity on the policy, um, the INHFA say, look at if you rewet um, farm peatlands, essentially you're knocking all competition out of the market because you're leaving only one real realistic buyer, and that is the state. Um, and it points out that whereas ground for forestry in the west and northwest that land is making, freely making, five and 6,000 an acre. Now, the same ground, if it's designated as an SAC, is making just 500 to 700 an acre, depending. And that is because you cannot plant it. But also because you have restricted farm practices on that, on that land, and thereby you don't have a wide, um, what would you say, a wide pool of potential buyers. So they're saying that's potentially what is coming down the line for re-wet um, peatlands. They're saying that you're taking the farmer, the neighbouring farmer, out of the equation to buy that land and you're going to get a consequent drop in its value. Now, it is difficult to say exactly where the new market will fall to because auctioneers are saying it depends on the level of compensation that's going to be paid to farmers. But they point out that um, 
they're already seeing um, farmers and forestry interests and other interests moving away from buying um, peatlands and farm peatlands because of the threat of re-wetting. So one auctioneer that I talked to this week, John Elley, who'd be very active in um, Roscommon, he said to me he lost three definite sales in recent weeks because of the threat of re-wetting. And he says a fourth is in the balance. So it's having an impact on the ground. The fact that the um, policy which relates to the nature restoration law, the EU nature restoration law, they're saying because that policy is nailed down, because there's a lack of clarity and so much uncertainty, that is feeding through into the land market. The Minister for Agriculture, Mr Charlie McConnell, he's been reported as calming farmers by saying that there'll be no requirement for farmers to rewet their land up to about 2050 because uh, Bordemona land, the 80,000 acres of drained peatlands they're working on, etc., and various other programmes on state-owned land. Because of this, no farmers will be forced to rewet their land. So in that respect, possibly the rewetting might be confined to state-owned lands. I know now the ICMSA have been very doubtful about um, that being able to be quarantined. There could be an impact on surrounding land. But the Minister is saying, to quote, no requirement for farmers to actually re-wet their land. Well, that position has already been contradicted by Malcolm Noonan, his junior minister, Malcolm Noonan from the Green Party. Now, he's on on record as saying up to 30,000 acres could maybe needed to be re-wet. He's also doubted that there will be enough state land, suitable state land, to um, satisfy the amount of land that will have to be re-wet. So that mixed messaging from government isn't helping. Also, this the amount of land that will have to be re-wet could be 200,000 acres. It could be 300,000 acres. It depends on what is agreed in Brussels. The Parliament want to push for the maximum. The Council of Ministers want, want to keep it at a minimum. It's likely to drop somewhere in between in the trilogue and negotiations in Brussels. So therefore, the minister coming out and saying that no farmland, no privately owned farmland will have to be re-wet, I think when his own junior minister is um, contradicting what he's saying, it's not giving a lot of confidence to farmers. What the farmers need is a clear statement from one spokesperson speaking on behalf of all of the government uh, people saying what the situation is because we don't have a great deal of time to fiddle around with this because in the journalist pointed out that next spring it'll be next spring before the reusing laws are set but you know next spring is only a number of months away and that's Rachel Donovan's article there 
So I would imagine that from your feedback, you would be calling and the farmers would be calling for a clear single voice statement on what the situation is and let's face the best or worst. Well, I think it's impossible to get that statement until the um, the ask is agreed in Brussels. And then what farmers will want is they'll want a clear roadmap. They'll want to know how much land has to be re-wet, when it has to be re-wet by, who is going to pay the compensation or going to pay supports on for the re-wetting and nature restoration and the level of those supports. And also that those supports are not um, based on the whim of any government or a cap one cap program to the next. They will have to be nearly generational programs that are guaranteed out for 20 and 30 years. You know, and I think that is what will be needed to calm the waters on this one because it is a very emotive issue and it is it is not going down well in in rural communities. Also, as you said, it is very difficult once you start rewetting to limit that, to limit where the impact of that starts and stops. Because if one farmer rewets, is he rewetting for four and five farmers around him as well? So it's it's very hard. It's not like cattle breaking out. You can fence this one in. So that is that's that is the difficult. The difficulty that, that um, any government is going to face on on this particular issue. That concern, as expressed very clearly by the ICMSA, for example, dairy people, when you raise the water table in one field, you just can't cordon that off. When you raise the water table in in one area, well, there's obviously going to be seepage and an impact on surrounding land, and the ICMSA despite the reassurances about the board pneumonia re-wetting, fulfilling our necessary quota. Nonetheless, they want very clear lines drawn as to the compensation for people adjacent to board pneumonia or other state-owned lands where wetting, re-wetting takes place. They want clear information, a clear example and details of the uh, compensation. And in fact, again, the journal, Amy Ford quotes um, the ICPSA national president, Pat McCormack, saying that the ministers appear to be contradicting each other. Yeah, and I think that's it. That they, we need clear, unequivocal messaging from government. And I think we're a long way off of getting that until we have a clear policy from Brussels. So and Brussels is going to have to lay down the law, essentially, so to set out what Ireland has, the, the targets that Ireland has to meet. Once those targets are set, then we, can, then we can devise a national policy. But until the targets are set in Brussels, we're kind of working in the dark in a way. And, and it's all shadow boxing. But once those targets are set, then this re-wetting um, controversy will really get legs because then 
the the as they say the rubber will hit the road and and farmers will know well what is going to be re-wet, how much land is going to be re-wet, or going to be have to be re-wet. Can it be done from from within the state's own land base? And if it can, where do we then re-wet? Thank you very much indeed, Mr Declan O'Brien, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. And I'm sure, Declan, in coming weeks and months, the journal will be highlighting the up-to-date situation with the rewetting controversy. Declan, thank you very much indeed for your valuable time. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Ms Orla Quigley, Chagas Dairy Advisor with the Chagask Office in Middleton. First of all, Orla, welcome to the programme. Now, some very important matters. We're halfway through the breeding season for many dairy farmers. What should farmers be looking out for at this point, Orla? Okay, John, I suppose firstly farmers need to be um, looking at any cows that haven't shown signs of heat yet and, get, and getting them checked by their vet or getting them scanned by a scanner. Um, and then secondly, I suppose farmers need to be focusing on their, their non-return rate. There's a target of about 65% for that. So what that means basically on a 100 cow herd, 90 of those cows have been submitted in the first three weeks. That's an average of 30 cows per week. In the second three weeks, they'd want to see no more than 10 cows per week repeating. If they're seeing 15 to 20 cows repeating, they have some sort of problem with their conception rates and they need to get that examined. Things that can cause issues with conception rates, I suppose, are the timing of of AI, um, maybe an issue with their AI technician, and I suppose the the health of the cow, if the cow's in poor condition to start with or if there's some other underlying health issues within the herd. Now we turn to grassland and uh, grassland management. With grassland management, what should farmers be doing in this very warm spell of weather? In the last two weeks, a lot of farmers have managed to get their first cut silage finished up and they'd be conscious, I suppose, of heading into kind of drought conditions. Um, Surprisingly, growth is is still quite high. The average growth last week was somewhere up around 70 kilos of, of dry matter per hectare per day and um, for this week Chagas have predicted a growth of 60 kilos of dry matter per hectare per day and um, it'll be important for farmers to get out and walk their grass and see that the grass is still growing if grass is still growing it's important to continue w- with some level of fertilizer be it um, some maybe some parallel washings or maybe 10 to 15 units of, of nitrogen um, along with that it's important to keep quality if covers are going high above maybe 17 1800 kilos of dry matter per hectare it's important to skip them to keep cows on high quality grass while also maintaining a rotation length of 20 to 25 days when we talk about uh, fertilizer and the second cut where people reach that what fertilizer rate should farmers be spreading for second cut silage it depends on the yield so if they're looking at somewhere around maybe a six ton per acre of fresh Yield, they, they need to be fertilised with about 60 units of nitrogen, somewhere around 10 units of P and 60 units of K. And it's important also to get out maybe somewhere around 10 to 15 units of sulphur. Um, given the tr- dry conditions, it might be no harm maybe to, to split the fertiliser applications and maybe go with half now and half in a few weeks when the rain does come. Could you comment on the situation in general as we speak? Plenty of uh, silage wagons on the roads in addition to the normal heavy traffic. To remind farmers, contractors and even rural dwellers to remain extra vigilant at this time of year. Like you said, there's a lot of heavy machinery moving on the roads and also within fields and I suppose that can draw attention to young kids and, and 
people outside of the farm owners into, into yards and fields to observe the heavy machinery along with that. Um, this time of year, as we're halfway through the, the midpoint of the breeding season, often stock bulls are, are out weaning cows. It's just important to make everyone ha- um, vigilant of, of bulls and machinery at this time of year. Any upcoming events you want to publicise or remind listeners about anything, deadlines or upcoming events? Um, we completed the the best deadline was last Monday, but I suppose the, tr- the transfer of entitlements has been extended until the 14th of June. Just to remind people, anybody that's still trading entitlements or signing our paperwork, attached them that it's the 14th of June is the deadline for them. Um, in terms of upcoming events, um, there'll be more details to follow, but the Moor Park Open Day will be held on the 4th of July this year and the sheep o- in, in Fermoy, and the Sheep Open Day will be held on the 17th of July in Gertine College in Tipperary. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Orla Quigley, Dairy Advisor with the Chagas Office in Middleton in County Cork. Thank you. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Kira Donovan, Business Manager, Farm Sustainability at Dairy Gold Agribusiness. First of all, Kira, welcome to the programme. Now, very important, of course, we all need it, uh, water. Could you please remind our listeners what the main causes of poor water quality in Ireland uh, would be, you know, when it does occur? John, lovely, lovely to be here. Um, yeah, so, John, I suppose... Uh, I suppose everyone's kind of aware of of the the, the water quality issues. Um, there certainly are a lot of pressures, um, and agriculture is is um, you know up, up there. But there's equally there's an awful lot of other pressures, uh, hydromorphological pressures, and um, that's things like bridges and dams that are that are on route uh, of, of you know along waterways that that slow up the. The movement of water or can potentially prevent um, fish, fish movement or species, different species movement. Um, uh, you know, things like dredging um, and, and um, improvements to to, um, um, uh, to water courses. Or, well, improvements in relation to you know, well, you know, hydromorphological like like drains. You know, when people put in drains, that can obviously anything that can affect, I suppose, the the, the volume of water is. is, is Falls under the category of hydromorphological, and all of those can have a, a, a knock-on effect to the, the quality of the water and the quality then as well. Um, forestry then, of course, as well, um, is, has, is quite a um, contributing factor, and you can have uh, a multitude of wastewater um, treatment plants um, and industrial treatment plants. So there's, there's a lot of different things that can affect water quality, um, albeit um, agriculture is um, one of the bigger factors uh, that said, in fairness, the, the, the biggest, I suppose, from a land use perspective, uh, agriculture is, is by, by far and away the biggest land, land use as well, um, you know, that, that that's in, in um, proximity to, to water courses, I suppose. Now, Kira, what can farmers do to help water quality? Um, John, I suppose, look, there's a, there's a number of kind of practical things that, that we're always uh, asking people to do. Uh, I, I work with a, um, a team of, of uh, five advisors um, through the, the ASAP program and we call out to, to farmers and we do visits um, and we're constantly trying to give them um, some practical advice around what farmers can do. Um, and they range, uh, every, every farmer is different and the, the soil type in particular um, has a huge effect on, on the, the, the likely source and the roots that, that nutrients will take to get to rivers. So the, the, the advice then will, 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 will vary depending on the, the soil type and, the, and the, the topography of the farm, obviously. And, and obviously every farmyard is different as well. But I suppose broadly speaking, you know, we're, we're always 
um, encouraging farmers to make sure that they have enough, you know, storage. There's, there's uh, slurry storage in particular, and of course, there's, a, there's new soil water regulations after coming in uh, with the requirement for every farmer to, to have soil water storage for um, 30 a month, I suppose, period as of next year. Um, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we find an awful lot of farmers when we go out and visit them might only have, they might have uh, plenty of storage, but they, they, they end up mixing their soil water and their slurry, which is a very poor use, I suppose. Um, it, it means that they're, 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 they're putting more pressure on their, their, um, their, their slurry storage and, and, and not making as good a use of, of um, their, their soil water, I suppose. I suppose that there is an allowance to, to, to apply soil water. Um, as of next year, they won't be able to apply um, for the full month of December. But outside of that, they can apply uh, apply soiled water, uh, and obviously, if they're mixing with, mixing it with slurry, it's then deemed to be slurry. So they can't they can't then then do that. So it's always a good idea to, to keep the soiled water separate to the, the slurry. And it's, it's something like I say, it's it's quite prevalent. And, um, often, there's you know you wouldn't necessarily have to put in new facilities. It's a matter of of um, um, uh, you know, redesigning current facilities. Same is true for for um, you know separating soil yards. An awful lot of of yards um, areas are being collected that shouldn't be collected necessarily. Um, you know, farmers forget that uh, even a small strip of, of of a yard that might almost never be used if if it's flowing into the the collecting yard, for instance, like. Even even you know a, a ten meter by ten meter area will will contribute about being over fifty thousand liters in a year. So even small areas like that are, are worth looking at and and making sure that they're excluded if they're if they're not um, actually being being used and utilized and managing those those clean and dirty areas to, to keep them separate um, is really important. Um, maintaining you know uh, the drains and making sure that that the, the, the any drains that come out from the farm areas. Um, if, if at all possible, to, to slow them down to make sure that they don't go directly into into rivers. Um, uh, you know, you you would hope that that uh, every farmyard is being managed to the to the maximum extent, and, and there's minimal losses off it. But even those minimal losses, it, it's a good idea to be able to to if if possible divert that that drain over over land is the ideal is the ideal solution at the time. Um, and if you're in kind of heavy, heavy, heavier land, um, if you could kind of, uh, you know, direct it to a, a low-lying area, it's it, it's it's a very simple and an effective thing that you can you can use denitrification to try to get nitrogen to be removed out through a, a, a nature-based solution, as they call it. Um, you know, a lot of the yards as well, John. Even even this time of the year, dung is only just being spread now, and a lot of people don't have dedicated dung dung steds. So that's something that that often comes up. Um, and silage pits, of course, we're coming up to a time when silage pits are, are extremely important. And I would encourage everyone to, for God's sake, make sure that when they're, before they put in the silage, the silage to make sure that they, they know exactly what how to, how to use, use their facilities. And everyone, whoever is going to be directing the, the, the um, I suppose, um, the, you know, you should always be able to divert the, the, the effluent into the tank. And, and make sure that that's working right, that it's connected up right, that it's it's sealed around the outside, that there isn't a potential for for um, sort of to be lost, to to clean out all the collecting drains, and and to make sure before the contractor comes out to have a conversation, or I suppose before he fills the the silage pit, to have the conversation with him and, and make sure that he doesn't overfill the silage pit and cover over the collecting drains. That often happens. Farmers, um, you know, they just have slightly more harvest than they, than they than they should have, um, and rather than 
cordoning off a certain area and 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 potentially baling it, they'll 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 increase the size and 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 bring the solid spit out further and end up covering over the collecting drains, and then you have a much much bigger issue uh, of collecting off a lot of of solid effluent that um you know you you might not you, you know you should because the the the, the yard was never designed for. I suppose if just God forbid if something like that does happen, do f- make sure that that you know you, you, if that you, that you curtail any losses that, that that can happen. You know, it's it, accidents can happen, but the important thing would be to make sure that if you if there is effluent um, that's I suppose potentially being lost or if you go out and some, something has gone wrong, um, directing that directing and curtailing and collecting, coming up with a temporary system to collect that that effluent is the important thing, and making sure that it can't get into into a drain close by and, and, and being lost quickly. That's that's the important thing. Um, I've even seen some farmers um, use a, a low um, a little mound of, of lime, John. It's quite effective. It's quite it's quite a good temporary barrier, um, and it'll allow you to, to you know, if, if, if there was effluence that was making its way towards a drain, for instance, and the fall of the land was, was bringing it that way. That That's a, a very simple thing you can do to, to, to change the direction. Um, like I say, it's not an ideal situation. No one ever wants it to happen. But you know, um, taking quick action um, and doing something like that to make sure that it doesn't reach the the water course is essential because it's it's extremely polluting. Same with you know, a milk spit or anything like that as well. Similarly, the important thing is to take action as quickly as possible and to make sure that it can't reach any kind of a drain. Um, John, on the on the on the, the the eastern half of the country, I suppose, where free draining soils are, are prevalent. Um, Nitrates losses are are, are uh, a huge issue, and the, you know the practical advice there that we're giving out there um, is is you know land management and getting back to the basics a lot of the time and getting people to, to soil sample and make sure that they're that they're you know both their chemical and their biological health of their of their land is um, optimum, and then making sure that you're you're applying your nutrients in 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 the most effective and best way possible. So using using things like low emission soil spreading. Um, but only, only applying the amount that that, that the, the grass will require, you know. Um, we would advise that if, if people could at all to test their to test their slurry or soil water, there's there's quite a range. There's quite a big difference. And if you're if you're aiming for you know t- 21 units in your first round, um, for instance, you know there was there was a study done there um, uh, last year, the year before. I think um, over 100 different dairy dairy gold farms tested their slurry, and there was a very big variation. Um, the, the, the the range was from 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 three units up to up to twenty units, but like uh, the average, I think even of, of nitrogen. Sorry, um, the average amount of uh, of nitrogen uh, um, was higher than the average assumed. So generally speaking, if you're using low emission sorry spreading to spread um, uh, to spread uh, your, your your slurry, the the Chagas kind of standard value is is, is around eight or nine. But the average the average amount that, that was found to be in in the the, the tanks the over about around 130 tanks that were tested was was almost 11. So I would advise people to to, to go and get their soil tested or soiled water whatever it is they're going to be um, um, spreading um, and match their the requirement then um, you know with the, with the application rate and making sure. That, that when they do go out for those first couple of rounds, that soil temperature is taken. That's the most important factor. Soil temperature, if, if, if your soil temperature is, is less than kind of six and a half, seven degrees, there's, there's no growth. Um, you know, and you really are effectively, uh, you know, your, your nutrient use efficiency is, is terrible. It's, it's a very poor use of your of your fertilizer. Uh, your grass isn't able to, to, to make the best use of, of, of that nitrogen because it, it's a, a larger per, per, 
proportion of it is being washed out. And then, of course, there's there's the diffuse knock-on effect on, on rivers. So it's to everyone's um, benefit, I suppose, to, 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 to make sure to match up your nutrients uh, use as best as you can and, and use low emission storage spreading effectively, you know, um, using an umbilical system to, to put out three and a half thousand litres on, on the first week of January is it's 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 a it's madness for the region. I suppose it's a very poor use of of um, of, of slurry as a, as a very part, important and and uh, you know expensive product at this stage. It's it's um, um, given the the cost of of, of fertilizer um, these days, it's it's very high value and it's and it's well worth um, doing your best to, to utilize it um, in whatever the best possible way you can. Um, and then leaving out that clover obviously is is a is um, a, a, a fantastic tool that I think more and more people are beginning to to take up now, John. Um, and we would encourage that that that, that continues. And, and and you know the, the important thing for clover, and this was an awfully important step that a lot of people kind of forget about, they incorporate in the clover, and and then are very slow to to actually reduce the nitrogen. But I would encourage people to to be brave. Definitely go off and 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 educate themselves. Go to farm walks. Um, get their questions answered if they have any doubts. There's loads of different routes to get help from at the moment um, to find out how, to, how, how what those management actions are when it comes to, to clover. But by God, it, it's it's well worth it's well worth uh, getting right, John, because um, the amount of nitrogen that you can con- cut back to is 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 massive, and it, and it really is going to have a, a huge effect and huge hugely beneficial um, effect on to to water quality in the future. Um, uh, I suppose, John. One more thing, then. I suppose, you know, when it comes to uh, what what you should look at and how you can Im- improve things when it comes to your own farmers is to consider the, what we call the critical source area, John, the, the root where if you're spreading your 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 nutrients, whether it's uh, slurry or soil water or fertilizer, um, and if you get you know heavy rain, what's the root? If you have heavy soil in particular. You know, where is it going to? Where is it going to? What? What? Where is it going to go? Uh, and is there some actions you could do? Could 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 you possibly put a? You know, rather than having, if if you know that the, that the, any kind of runoff from uh, for a certain field is going to go in this direction, is there the potential to 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 increase the the size of the of the the hedgerow? Uh, you know, along this area, or is, is there the potential even to even to to, to reduce the change the contour of the field, the shape of the field, so that there's there's almost a dip. In that field, so that if nutrients do start running off the field, that they naturally stay in that dip and they won't go directly into a drain. It's called managing a critical source area in, in, in our language, I suppose. But it's it's a very practical and very simple thing that can be done and that anyone can do in their farm. It's just it's a matter of of, of thinking about it, I suppose. Um, uh, and look, I suppose you know drain management. It's another another thing that we're often giving advice around, and and it is this time of the year that that we would say if 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 you if you absolutely have to, and we would we would hope that people would avoid cleaning drains if at all possible, but if you absolutely have to, it's it's uh, July, August, September are the are the months, um that that you, you you should go at it, but but I suppose take every precaution you can then um when you're managing um your your drains in relation to putting in sediment traps and um you know. I suppose not not over deepening your drains um, um, and the, and then fencing fencing them off properly. It's often a good idea as well to put a if you're if you're, if you're putting in a drain, John, to put in that kind of a, an earthen bank berm. Talking a minute ago about, about about contouring your land, putting putting an earthen bank berm along the side of your your of your drain sometimes can be very helpful as well to, to prevent any kind of overland flow from entering in. Again, a very simple thing, and once it's done, once it's it doesn't need to be done again. So, 
Um, there are a couple of very practical tips, and I've probably spoken <laughs> a bit too long there now, but does that, does that answer the question, John? It certainly does. Well, thank you very much indeed for those um, very helpful recommendations environmentally and financially. And we know the economics of farming is very important uh, in conjunction with the environment and improving the quality of our drinking water, which unfortunately is you know, below par at some points in the country. Now, we come to our sponsor, Dairy Gold Co-op. Could you please um, outline to our listeners some of the main things Dairy Gold are actually doing themselves to help water quality in conjunction with efficient farming and production of top-class healthy food? Well, I, I suppose first and foremost, John, um, this, this spring we've introduced the, the grassroots programme, uh, which has placed water quality central to the, to the entire programme. Um, there's a, 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 it, it, it is a voluntary programme, um, but in, in fairness, the majority of our, of our farmers have, have signed up to it, which is uh, which is fantastic, really, and very, very reassuring. Um, entailed in it, um, there's a, a payment, a direct payment, for participating in in the the I suppose the, the grassroots slash ASAP program. We I suppose we Dairy Gold have been participating in the ASAP program, the uh, program, the Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advisory Program, which was a national program for for three or four years now at this stage. Um, and we've we've designed this program to dovetail into the the SR program, uh, and that program is all about um, actually visiting farms and and looking at um, what's actually what 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 the facilities are like on the farm, what the land is like, um, what the land management is is like, and, and looking at all the different actions that I was just talking about. I suppose, but we, we relate them back to the farmer. I suppose, and, and are looking specifically at what that that each each farmer can specifically do. Um, there's been a huge amount of, of regulatory change, John, in the last cheapers in the last three or four years. The landscape has, has massively moved, and it's and it's still it's constantly moving with cap and everything else now. Uh, and this this program is designed to go out and to, to talk to the farmers and ask them how, how, what are they doing, what actions are they, they taking, and working with them to, to help them to understand what the new regulations are and help them to come to terms with with the new requirements. Give advice. Uh, and, and provide information, any information they might need, uh, and and also help them to to I suppose give, provide a second set of eyes when it comes to the design of facilities. And um, you know, it's 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 uh, multifaceted. I suppose it does, every every farm visit is, is is slightly different to the next. But broadly speaking, the the the, the ASAP visit is designed to um, help farmers to to I suppose do whatever practical um, things that they can do to, to protect water quality on their specific farm. Um, the, as part of the grassroots, they get, it, I suppose that's the only compulsory part of it is, is of, of the grassroots. Almost all of the other actions, um, um, you don't necessarily have to do them, um, but to, to participate in the grassroots programme, you have to participate in the in the, the asset visit. Um, and, and I suppose... John, it's 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 a significant significant enough payment. Um, it's um, well, it's point two cent a liter, um, um, and the overall program then adds up to to point seven five cent. And I suppose there are other aspects of the program as well for, um, that that also help water quality. For instance, uh, like I say, we we have point um, uh, one cent um, to, for for people who will participate in the in the soil sampling and the the, the soil 
biological program. There's, there's quite a, a large, there's a chemical side to it, but there's also a biological side to the to the soil soil health program. Um, it, that's that's linked into the the grassroots program, and and that's obviously, like I say, very very important from a water quality perspective. Um, a healthy soil is a soil that will retain retain nutrients better and will be less likely to to, to leach nutrients. Uh, and then also, um, I suppose, as part of the grassroots program, we're offering people a, a rebate um, and a financial incentive to, to purchase and use protective urea, which, again, has a very beneficial knock-on effect um, when it comes to water quality. Um, it, the, the, the protective urea, it, it's, it's, it's released much slower than, than traditional um, urea would be uh, or, or can Um and that that slow release means that it's less likely to be washed off if you have um, very heavy heavy rainfall events. Um, and equally, I suppose, um, uh, yeah, I suppose the, the research has shown that it actually, you know, um, will, will 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 grow more grass, and you therefore need need to apply less fertilizer. So again, it's it's a it's another tool in, in the toolbox to help farmers to to reduce the amount of nitrogen uh, and and overall chemical fertilizer applications that they need to need to apply on farms which again will all have a knock on effect and a beneficial effect on, on water quality so um so yeah that, that's that's i suppose that and that's just the, the the grassroots program which is is it it's it's a it's like i say it's it's put water quality central um and i suppose we're tying in there was there was pre-existing um the, the pre-existing um uh, programs as well, of course, in, in Derryville, the the um, signpost farmers, um, obviously are 100% supporting this program, and they have been taking lots of actions to to improve water quality themselves, and and you know the the, the two programs are are being tied in together, I suppose, to help to promote water quality on on the different signpost farms as well. So, um, that's 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 it, John. Really, they're the main the main actions, I suppose. There's now five five different advisors, like I say, that are that are. Um, visiting um, farm, farms across the Derrigal region, and they're there for for people to, to contact if they want if they want support and have um, and and to get any advice. Um, uh, and the I suppose the, the target is is that almost everyone will be visited within the next um, you know two years anyway. So um, yeah, that 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 that's it. And I, I, I suppose um, it's I suppose it, the other thing I suppose it is worth saying that. Um, the ESA program is is part of a, a national program, um, and uh, you know we we we, there, we we do work with um, the law pro, which is a, 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 an arm of the county council, and, and other colleagues in, in the Chagas um, in Chagas that are ESA advisors as well. So again, there's there's a lot of um, national support, and there's an awful lot of buy-in from a lot of different um, um, organisations that's supposed to support this. Um, so there's, there's, you know, and, and there are, I suppose, benefits in this um, within the ASA program, um, where where um, uh, where information comes back to us from um, uh, the the law for the council um, section of the of the the program. Um, the, the 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 regular the ins- inspecting side of of the county council actually agree to to stay out of that area for action um for 
um, an 18 month period but that's that's only for the the, the areas for action um, within the program and I suppose within dairy goals we, we've we've now expanded that well 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 and truly outside of the of the, the areas for action we're, we're we're aiming to like I say we, we we've invited everyone in dairy goals to join the the, the grassroots program so every everyone is is, is included in the in the, the grassroots asset program but. Um, within the the ESA program and within the areas for action that were pre-existing, that that continues, I suppose, and and um, uh, it's 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 a very proactive program, which which really is, is seeking to work with farmers and to help them, like I say, to to help them to take the actions that are needed to improve water quality. Um, and the 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 research that comes through from the the Law Pro helps helps us to be specific about exactly what what issues are are, are happening on, on uh, within the rivers and exactly what's what what specific actions um we should be seeking whether it's we should be seeking to to to, to solve the problem i suppose uh, where it is uh, an agricultural issue it, it isn't always uh, speaking there to miss kira donovan business manager farm sustainability dairy gold agribusiness and from our conversation i think here we can safely say every listener every farmer or even non-farmer or rural dweller, everyone has a role to play in improving our drinking water quality. We all have a role to play in order to be able to drink healthy water from our taps and uh, for agriculture. So thank you very much indeed. Ms. Kira Donovan, Business Manager, Farm Sustainability, Dairy Goat Agribusiness. Thank you very much, Kira. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, 96FM and C103 News Editor, Murray Tuig, 96FM and C103 News Reporter, and also creator of the regular Farm Talk podcasts every week. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in, 7am to 8am, Saturday mornings, and the Farm Talk midweek edition, 10pm to 11pm in the evening. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.